it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. On Friday, we heard the sad news of the death of the Duke of Edinburgh. Of course, at 99, it wasn't entirely unexpected. But having led funerals for people of every age, I've discovered that the scale of our grief isn't diminished by the number of years the person we're grieving has lived. However much we may try to console ourselves and one another by saying that they've had a good innings. Every loss is unique. And our feelings can be overwhelming and intense, whatever the circumstances. The funeral of someone who's lived long and well can be full of thanksgiving, as I'm sure Prince Philip's will be. But equally, when someone's been part of our lives for a very long time, it can be hard to imagine life without them. So much else has been lost in losing them. So many shared memories and shared routines are gone. For each person who mourns, too, the loss is felt differently. Most of us, I'm guessing, didn't know Prince Philip other than through a television screen or or in the distance at some royal visit. For one person, though, Her Majesty the Queen, his death means the loss of a beloved husband of 73 years, the person she shared her private self with. 
perhaps the only person for whom she didn't, didn't really have to be the queen, maintaining a role, putting on a brave face. She herself has paid tribute in the past to the gift Prince Philip gave her through being prepared simply to be there, unobtrusively in the background, someone she could turn to for support as she tried to support a nation. I do hope that she'll be allowed the privacy to grieve as she needs to, as any human being should be allowed, without having to be on show for the rest of us all the time. But the truth is that in death, just as in life, Prince Philip will inevitably be treated to a certain extent as public property. Like the death of any public figure, his death reminds people of their own losses, the people they still grieve, as well as other kinds of losses, the loss of home or job or relationships, for example. And over this last year, loss has been a feature of so much of life. The Queen will, I know, look to her faith for support at this time, because she's quite open about its importance to her. Today's Gospel reading is fortuitously particularly appropriate, not just for the Queen and the Royal Family, but for all those who may find themselves thrown back this week into their own sadnesses. Peace be with you, says Jesus to his followers, when he appears in that locked room in Jerusalem, risen from death. There are many things he could have said, many things his disciples might have been afraid he was going to say when he first opened his mouth to speak to them. Things like, where were you when I needed you most? What kind of friendship do you call this, running away and leaving me? But that's not what he said. He said, peace be with you. That little word, peace, when we meet it in the Bible, means far more than just a day off or an escape from the hustle and bustle of life. It's not about getting away from it all, or having a bit of me time in a bubble bath with a nice glass of wine and a few scented candles, comforting though that can be. Peace, shalom in Hebrew, means the state where all is well, where wrongs have been put right, where there's healing and justice and reconciliation. Grief often feels like the opposite of that. Nothing is right. We can feel chaotic and confused, not sure what to do, frightened of an unknown future, tossed around by emotions that swirl, swirl like an angry sea. No wonder it can feel so exhausting. The grief of Jesus' disciples in the wake of his crucifixion was no different, and it was compounded by the fear that they would be next, and their shame at having abandoned their friend, unable to stop what had happened to him. Jesus' resurrection, paradoxically, might have made their emotional turmoil even worse rather than better at first. Not only was it almost impossible for them to get their heads around it, how could he possibly be alive again? But what did it mean for them? They'd probably started to resign themselves to his death and were maybe hoping they could just quietly forget about the whole business and slink back to Galilee, when a whole new set of challenges was presented to them. If Jesus was alive, their journey wasn't over. It was just beginning. Now what? But into their tumult, Jesus speaks peace. 
as the medieval mystic Julian of Norwich surprisingly said, in the midst of the black death, bitter civil unrest, and all the other trials of the 14th century, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. How can that be? Julian's words, like Jesus' greeting of peace, can easily sound like nonsense, wishful thinking, when the world is falling apart around us. They only start to make sense when we discover that whatever else there is in our lives, God is also in our lives, coming into the locked rooms of our grief and fear, showing us that nothing can destroy his love for us. Jesus' words of peace only make a difference because it's the word who is peace who's uttering them. God's presence is the true source of peace, the peace that's beyond our understanding, the peace that endures beneath the turmoil and grief of our immediate experience. God's presence tells us that whatever we face, we don't need to face it alone. We're held in God's hands, and that's why all can be well, all shall be well, even if it doesn't feel possible at the time. When we lose someone we love, if we know that we are held in God's hands and that they are held in God's hands, all shall be well. When we feel the world is against us, if we know we are held in God's hands, all shall be well. When we have no clue what is going on, if we know that we are held in God's hands, all shall be well. When we have no answers to offer to the perplexities of life, if we know we're held in God's hands, all shall be well. God's hands are the hands that hold all things together, in heaven and on earth. Our feelings are what they are, and there's nothing wrong with feeling them. But whatever we feel, however deep and painful our grief or our fear or regret, we can't fall out of God's hands, so all shall be well. Living or dying, rejoicing or grieving, the peace that comes from being in God's presence is eternal. The resurrection shows us that nothing can destroy it, not even death. Peace be with you, says Jesus to his disciples, and to poor Thomas, who missed out the first time. I love it that Jesus comes back specially for him to make sure he hears the message too. Just as Jesus comes to each of us, in the silence of prayer, in the words of scripture, in the sacraments, in the love we share with one another, to help us hear the message of his peace in the griefs we bear. I pray that the Queen and her family will know God's peace today and in the days to come. And I pray that each of us will too, that we'll know God's peace that passes understanding, that runs deeply, indestructibly beneath the stormy waters of our lives. Amen. Almighty Father, you have given your only Son to die for our sins and to rise again for our justification. Grant us so to put away the leaven of malice and wickedness, that we may always serve you in pureness of living and truth, through the merits of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, 
who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.